Welcome back to Sci-Fi Cross-Sections, a weekly podcast dedicated to everything science fiction. It's me, your sci-fi boy, Colin Brandon, and with me tonight is... I am Ben Young. And that is literally all we have. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, understandably a very long series we're talking about uh, tonight. Uh, the Clone Wars um, just wrapped up its uh, seventh and final season. Uh, unfortunately, the other guys weren't able to fit it into their busy schedules. <laughs> um, that's all right. It's okay. Uh, but it's before be we dive into this, yep. Before we dive into this season seven, though, uh, Ben, what's new? Tell me about what's new. All right, I've got. Uh... Two pieces of Star Wars news and one not Star Wars news. So we'll start with the not Star Wars news. Uh, Deadline is reporting that Neil Pike's sci-fi short story Rainbow Fish, a scumbag's guide to stealing water, traversing wormholes, and breaking every rule, is in development at Warner Brothers. Uh, Rainbow Fish, which was published on 6x8 Press, takes place in a borderless future when the oceans have all but disappeared and the elusive global police enforces tyrannical laws. Their lives and that of a young water scavenger and a rebellious orphan collide in the most unexpected way. Uh, Pike is said to adapt his own short story for the screen, which is really, really cool. Um, There's currently no uh, release date, but we will be following because it sounds really interesting. And I might check out that short story because that sounds cool. Yeah, that sounds pretty interesting. Next up. That's Warner Brothers. Yeah, we have Warner Brothers and uh, Macro as well, um, a, a new company called Macro from Charles D. King. So uh, mm-hmm. they're, they're working together on that one. Next up, we've got two pieces of Star Wars news, both related to the Mandalorian. Uh, so first off, the very exciting Star Wars uh, alum Tamura Morrison um, is reportedly has reportedly signed on to play Boba Fett in the Mandalorian in season two. Uh, he's expected to play, according to the Hollywood Reporter, a small role in season two. But uh, we, we, a lot of speculation seems to place that he is not, it's not a flashback, it, that he is going to be part of this universe in some way. Uh, uh, um, I've also heard a rumor, uh, possibly, and we might get into this later, but... Um, He'd be playing Captain Rex as well. Yeah, I've heard that too. That's been kind of more rumor milly than uh, the Boba Fett news. The Boba Fett news is unconfirmed, but seems to be very legit at this point. Whereas the Rex news is kind of um, iffy, and we'll, like you said, we'll talk more about that later. Mm-hmm. But it's also very exciting because yeah. uh, Rex is the best. And finally, an even more exciting piece of news? I don't know. Uh, Katie Sackhoff has reportedly been signed on to play Bo-Katan Kryze in live action in Mandalorian Season 2. In case you didn't know, Katie Sackhoff voices Bo-Katan, who we will be talking about today. Um, and uh, the it seems, once again, this is one of those that's like rumor, not a rumor. Uh, that she'll be playing the character. Uh, speculation seems to be placing her in flashbacks, which may be alluding to us getting the fall of Mandalore. Uh, we'll follow this more. Uh, unfortunately, it seems like um, it seems as if we're getting kind of a delay on Mandalorian with the whole COVID thing, but uh, we'll hopefully be getting um, it sooner rather than later. Everything I read says there's they're still going to be on track because they finished the principal photography. So, Oh really? I've read, I read yeah. that they were still filming, but I, I no, guess I misread. Uh, principal photography wrapped in March, I believe they said, uh, and they're basically just doing everything from home now. Well, that's fantastic. I, I really hope yeah. that means we can get it together uh, then by then by October. Yeah. It's, uh, I was so thankful. A lot of shows that I've been looking forward to this year, um, actually wrapped filming you know they're all slated for fall releases and stuff they all wrapped um filming in time and then they were just going to do all the post uh having everyone work from home and stuff on it so that's really cool wonderful uh star trek the expanse um 
Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. So. Oh, oh. Anyway, uh, that's all I have for the news, for all of the latest and greatest sci-fi news, especially like that Star Wars news, which we definitely shared. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash sci-fi cross-sections and on Twitter at SF's cross-sections. Back to you, Overlord. Thank you, Ben. So, um, as we've said multiple times, we're here to talk about cl- the Clone Wars, specifically Season 7. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, the Clone Wars kind of got canceled after season five. Um, then uh, Disney, after like their acquisition and everything, was kind enough to give give us a season six. And so they they had sixty five episodes. Um, before planned. or after season six? Before season six, they had sixty five okay. episodes, early stories that they still wanted to tell. Oh. Um, Wow. And yeah. And so when they released that very short season six, they definitely didn't get to everything they wanted to get to. Um, and I feel like that's why season seven came out. Um, they, they were kind enough to let Dave Filoni, like just tell those big, big important stories that he still wanted to tell. So, um, but before, sorry, before we jump into that though, uh, as I mentioned, uh, this was, produced ran by dave filoni for years Uh, i've now kind of come to accept him as he's the the godfather of star wars on television not only has he done this but he's done the very successful rebels and of course we already mentioned it the mandalorian um and i feel like anything they do from here on out he'll be probably heavily involved with so he's kind of tying this whole universe together with any luck Mm -hmm. (laughs) um I feel I don't know if I need to offer it, but a little bit of backstory on the Clone Wars. Uh, originally, it was uh, announced in 2005 um, by George Lucas. Nothing really came of it right away. Uh, an animated movie was created, and then the show came out after in 2008. The show was produced in uh, the United States and in Singapore. They hired well over 300 digital artists to do this, and the plan was to not only make uh, the Clone Wars, but also future movies and future animated series that they wanted to do. I don't know if it was specifically Star Wars, but it was all under the Lucas Arts umbrella. So, <clears throat> yeah, season seven. Do Do you want to give a synopsis for this one, Ben? I wrote a little sum sum. Okay. Um. All right. <laughs> give me your best shot. Star Wars The Clone Wars Season 7 follows the final days of the Galactic Civil War and the lead-up to Order 66. From the Bad Batch, a renegade group of clones, to the exiled Jedi Padawan Ahsoka Tano, the final season of The Clone Wars examines the scars that a long and terrible war leaves behind. And that's all I got. Alright. It's the best I can do. It's it's tough to synopsize an anthology series like this, you know? True. Um, Luckily... There was basically just two arcs in this, so. Right, exactly. And uh, basically those two arcs were the uh, Rex and company looking for Echo. The Bad Batch. The Bad Batch, uh, which I really loved. Um, the Bad Batch. And I love, what do they call it, 99? Yeah, they're, they're I forget what exact, like, squad, they're like Squad 99 or something. Yeah, which is reference to, wasn't that... Um, that basically that janitor, that that clone that was just like part of a bad batch. Yeah, uh, it was. I think it was season one or season two or something like that. Yeah, something early like that. That's an early like uh, fives episode. Fives and Echo. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's fun to kind of draw that all back as well. Yeah. No, and you could tell that like Cody and Rex, they all recognized what that reference do. You know, as soon as they heard it, so. Yeah, so I guess that's like so. First of all, I'd like to say there are like there are three arcs in this in the show. There's the Bad Batch. There's Ahsoka on thirteen thirteen, and then there's Ahsoka. 
Oh, you know what? You're right. Risen out of the levels. You know, it, it, they blend together. Her Ahsoka's two arcs blend together, but they it is right. still technically separate. Very much so. You're right. But we should, yeah, we should start talking about uh, the Bad Batch because that's where the season starts. Um, personally, I don't have a ton to say about this this first arc just because there's more to kind of mm-hmm. walk through in the in the last two arcs, but. It, it was this was one of those that um, we got storyboards for, correct? If I remember correctly, back after season six was canceled and they were like, well, look at what we were going to do. Mm-hmm. And it lived up to every expectation. I thought it was cool. It was really cool. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's definitely one of those things of like. Uh, Floney just wanted to tell that story and kind of just tie off that arc properly. Um, and I appreciated it because some of my favorite moments in the series is when you had basically, you know, like fives and echo and like all these guys that were introduced and you see them from like the beginning of, we'll say their soldier career. And I don't know, just watching them grow over the series was so cool. I really enjoyed it. Um, Absolutely. You really, you really felt for him. Because like we know Anakin. We know Obi-Wan um, from the movies and everything. But these guys were introduced purely for this. And I wish I could spend more time with them, I guess. That's exactly it. Like they, like you said, it made you feel for them. It made you... F- it gave a face. When Fives and Echoes and Echo and all of them, there were so many more at the beginning. But... Of mm-hmm. course, as with war, you know, you lose people over time. Fives and Echo were the two that that made it through the the gauntlet and ended up on the other side. Uh, of course, both of them met their own grisly fates, but it, it elevated the idea of clones from more than just these like this fodder. You know, it made you really feel every time they had a clone episode. At first, you know, when you're first watching the series and you're like, I. I don't really know what I'm getting into. And they get to an episode where there's no Jedi and there's no, there's no one that you remember. It's just a story about clones. You're like, why the hell are we watching this? Like, I don't Mm -hmm. care. And by the end of it, they really make you feel for it. I think their first episode was guarding, um, a checkpoint on the way to, um, Camino. Correct. Uh, I think so. It's been so long, Ben. You you it's, watched the series re- more recently than I have. Yeah, I did. I, I rewatched everything in anticipation for this season before it came out. And I'm I'm pretty sure their first episode was an episode where they were just guarding a checkpoint um, on the I way to right. Camino. It was Rookies. Rookies was the episode. Alone on a distant outpost, command, outpost, Commander Cody and Captain Rex must inspire the rookie clones to believe in themselves. Now we go back to them later. Um, we actually, it jumps back in season two, I believe, to kind of flesh out their backstory. And it, it, things get a little weird as far as like the timeline goes. But you could, if you're paying attention, you could figure it out. But it, like you get to know like the squad as they're like coming up and you get to see where they came from. And then going back and watching rookies again is is just a wild, wild experience because you realize... There's a lot more depth in this series than than people gave it credit for initially. And that was the point where everyone was like, wow, maybe there's something here. Maybe Clone Wars is more than just some, you know, some crappy animated series. It, it really elevated itself with the I, with the use of the clones, especially, you know. Yes. Um, when I initially first started watching the Clone Wars and I saw it just... <laughs> It kind of like surprised me. I thought this was a kid show, but you just see like clones getting laid out left and right. Yeah. Just dying. They they wanted to show how expendable these people were. But that really highlights like when you actually get attached to them as characters, these, you know, specific special ones. Um after that, every time you see like, you know, clones just getting laid to waste, it's I don't know, it felt a little more personal, you know, there's just a little bit more of an emotional reaction than there normally would have been. Um, and I, I, you know, kudos to Filoni and everyone involved in the creative process because I thought that was wonderful. So, and you know what? Kudos to George Lucas because yes, he started this still like Dave Filoni didn't take over as like a full showrunner until season two or three. 
Like mm-hmm. Lucas started this, um, and he show ran it. And you know, we look back on the time in which this series first came out, and when the prequels were coming out and we always kind of like, I, I don't know about you, but I always think back to like what, what George Lucas's point was because he definitely wasn't just kind of making stories anymore. He, you know, like the original series, the original trilogy was definitely just an entertainment thing for him. It was, he wasn't trying to make a larger point. I think a lot of the reason that the prequels lose some, some aspect that the original trilogy had is because he started trying to make a point and he kind of lost the idea of story. But the point I'm trying to make here is that he was still working to make a point through Clone Wars, which was to talk about the price of war. And I think that over everything, I was I was surprised and pleasantly surprised to see that that still sticks even in season seven. What? 12 years after this series was released. Uh, do my math real quick. Yeah. Yep. Almost 12 years. Almost 12 years after this season is, series was released. They still have that. They still understand that the main point of this series is the price of war. Yeah, it entertains. Yeah, it it talks about like cool force stuff that we've never been able to see on screen before. Like like the the force planet with the dark sun and the light light daughter and blah 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 blah. We're not here to talk about that. But in season seven, when you meet the bad batch and you meet Echo and you see the the damage that's been done to this character, it hurts. It hurts a lot, and it it reminds you of of the original point of the series was to remind you of how terrible war is. Especially, which which seems like a juvenile concept, of course, but you know what I'm saying. Well, yeah, but I, there was even this this point made. I don't know if it, I think it was Rex that maybe said it, or possibly even Cody, but it said like, without this war, none of us would have been created. Like this is why we were created. So yeah, like, Rex the, says they it definitely have a they definitely have a mixed reaction or a mixed opinion, you know, well to, to the war and everything. Yeah, and I think I, I want to get to that. Uh, soon, but you're absolutely right. It's it, it's more complicated than just black and white, which is funny because for a series for an entire franchise that's always been about dark and light side, they they never try and hide the fact that there's always an in between and there's always a there's always another path that none of these characters ever ever kind of explore. And I think but, that's kind of what Rex was getting at. But isn't that kind of like the beauty in it is? The, the point of the Clone Wars was to to get in-depth, to really look into Star Wars, I guess. Mm-hmm. Especially that period in between episodes two and three. And it's kind of like how it is in real life, is when you look at something at a quick glance, things are white and black. But when you really start to look at it, you see that that's not the case, you know. It's just a lot of shades of gray. But- Absolutely. Yeah, that's wonderfully put. It's... <clears throat> You know, and I think that's that's what the Bad Batch kind of leaves us on. The Bad Batch is kind of the last. It's not really the last big clone story. The clones have really, really wonderful moments in the in the final, uh, the final arc. But oh, yes. it it uh it's the it's the last clone centric story that we get out of this series, and it's it's a sad one. It's not all happy. You know, it's bittersweet. At the end of the day, yeah, they save Echo, but he's never going to be the same again. And that's kind of the Bad Batch, obviously, is a representation of people wounded through war. Right. I think that's kind of what they're getting at with this. And it's the idea that they are going to keep on fighting because that's what they're meant to do. But they don't have a place in society any longer. That's that's it right there. It's it's the Bad Batch represent the people that because of war no longer have a place exactly except the bad batch but through the bad batch they still can find you know like their purpose or find purpose at least and that's what it was for echo because echo knew it would never be the same for him ever again so and i love that moment with cody and cody's like you know we know each other if you need to do this go do it like i don't know i appreciated that Definitely. Not was, Cody. I said Cody was Rex. My bad. And, and, and 
you know, in my head canon, I'm going to say that because they're the bad bats, they aren't affected by the brain implants and therefore did not have to follow order 66. So that's my head canon. There we are. <laughs> hey, take your head cannon. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. Uh, well, I feel like that neatly wraps up that first arc. Mm-hmm. As you said, um, not a lot to talk about. It was good. It was fun. Um, very action packed. I, I did appreciate that. Definitely. And at first, at, at first, honestly, I hated the Bad Batch. Really? The characters. Yeah. Um, they were dicks. Yeah, but like that's the fun but of them, as, right? Yeah, but yeah, well, by the end, that was the charm of it. But at that point, they were accepted by your, uh, what was the, the term for like the typically developed clones? Oh, I forget. I know regs, exactly what regs you're talking about. Or oh, regulars, yeah, regs. Or, yeah. Something like that. I don't know. If if we got it wrong, we're sorry, folks, but I literally binge watched this over like a two day span and <laughs> Yeah, no, they called them retain things. All right. Well, there's that one. So as you had brought it up to me, there was that middle arc with uh, Ahsoka in uh I love that they did thirteen thirteen. But Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's that thing that we all felt we got fucking cheated on. And, you know, we were promised a 13-13, and it never came to fruition. But sure enough, we get a couple episodes dealing with it. I really appreciated it for that. Yeah, so, like, right off the bat, this is definitely the weakest arc in the in the series. It's a transition. It's yep. just to put things in place. But I think it's also... It, it, was, it was really refreshing. First of all, we haven't seen Ahsoka since the end of Season 5. Right. I don't know. Like, I don't know if you even re- did you rewatch season six at all in anticipation for this? Or did you just dive into seven? I, I just dived into seven, actually. So, yeah, I was actually surprised because I thought I remembered an arc with Ahsoka in season six. And she does appear in season six only briefly in a uh, vision that Yoda gets when he's on the on his quest to learn how to harness the living force uh, after death. And so it was, I was eagerly, as everyone was, eagerly awaiting Ahsoka's return to the series because we knew she was obviously coming. And it should be said also to everyone who's listening that Colin and I are both non-Rebels watchers. We're both bad. I I did do the first season. Oh, you did? I I didn't know. Yeah, well... (sighs) The first season uh, really kind of stands on its own. And Dave Filoni wasn't like putting in all of these arcs that he wasn't able to do with Clone <laughs> Wars and starting to tell them in Rebels, uh, which he ends up doing, which it, it, it doesn't hurt at all. It's still good. He still tells good stories with it. But um, so I didn't dive into that stuff yet. And now I feel like I'm ready to. Now yeah, is the time. Absolutely. I'm I'm so ready to watch Rebels. In fact, we should just we should plan plan a cast down the line. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we could do that. I mean, it's probably a uh, shot in the dark to see if we can get the other guys on it. Yeah, but I don't we know can definitely that. do it. But um, um, this was one of those that was like, I'm interested, but also let's move on, kind of things. For me, I don't know about you. I don't think it needed as many episodes. Yeah, it got as it got. It they really did. Four episodes, right? Yeah, four episodes. Everything got four episodes. Each arc was four episodes. Yeah, like I love the Martez sisters. I th- I thought they were great. Um, I kind of wish they were introduced earlier, but this is definitely the place for them. Um, By the way, what's up? I just wanted to point out that Rafa is voiced by Elizabeth Rodriguez who is kind of one of those actresses that's like popping up in more and more sci-fi that's confusing to me. She is a, is most well known for her role in Orange is the New Black as Alita. Have you watched Orange is the New Black at all? Uh I did not do it. Uh but she she plays this uh this same same kind of concept of a character as Rafa in Orange is the New Black, but she randomly pops up in sci-fi shit and like she's in Fear the Walking Dead, she was in Logan, she was in this. Mm-hmm. And it's just so much fun to see her pop up in these things because you know she wouldn't if she didn't care, right? 
Yeah. She she has like looking through her 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 filmography, she has enough to uh to be fine. Like she's in Shameless, she's in Power, you know, she's in Chance, she's in all these shows where she doesn't need to do these little sci-fi things. And so it was cool when I heard her voice and I was all of a sudden like, I know that voice. And I looked her up and I was like, oh my God, that's her. And I was just really happy to see that. I, I like when when actresses and actors that like you wouldn't expect to like um, to kind of gravitate to this section of film and television to show up. You know, that's just me personally. Mm-hmm. No, um, I just <laughs> I think one of the things I loved about uh these characters is i guess like the latin american inspiration for their characters <laughs> i thought was great um even their last name sounds like it could almost be latin american yeah it has i mean it's uh i thought it was great which is funny it's especially funny because it always goes back to that thing in star wars of like where do these accents even come from <laughs> like <laughs> I, I George George originally had like British accents for Empire, right? Like that was always his his thing. Hey, when you there's nothing more imperial than a British accent. <laughs> but then you know, as it went on, things got a little bit more mixed. You know, I, I, I guess I guess Sir Alec Guinness's uh, accent was British as well, which doesn't make much sense. I don't know. It's just all about like. It's I mean, just, I, I would it's I funny. wouldn't look too far into the whole accents thing when you look at the original Star Wars. I mean, it was filmed in Pinewood Studios. <laughs> it's I mean, just funny how he decided all of it. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, or how he didn't decide it. I guess it's it's one of those things that like, and that we've just accepted. I think is the biggest thing that that strikes me as odd. Like, we've just accepted that like people could be sit could sit here and have this have these Hispanic sounding names. And that's just part of the galaxy. It just is what it is. And we wouldn't let any other sci-fi get away with that nowadays. The Expanse can, but that's different. But even this, the Expanse that's has... Still set, that's still set in a future... It's set in a future world. Earth. It, and, and furthermore, yeah. the Expanse has, for, has extensively thought out its, its accents and dialects. It oh, really has. Yeah, yeah it's as, as much as... Well, not as much as uh, Tolkien did with his languages, but yes, to a actually, certain extent, yeah, they they really tried. You know, I you've got your it. your belters with your what, it, what? What would you say that is? Is that like a Jamaican kind of style? Well, it's 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 a belter crail is what it is. Crail, yeah. Okay, yeah. so that's and, that's what the language is defined as. And then you've got your Mar- Martians are are like Southern accents. Mostly, right? Uh, well, no. So, Mars, the early like settling, like especially, we're getting off topic here. But the the oh, that's fine. Valley. We're talking. We're talking accents. We're talking. We're talking accents so, and sci-fi. <laughs> so the the Mariner Valley on Mars was settled by people from Texas, people from India, and people from you know like uh, Polynesia and stuff and those Pacific. Uh, nations uh that's how you get like uh alex kamal the character is uh of indian heritage but he has the western accent because the texans just influenced all of them but then you also get someone like bobby who is you know from an oceanic her family's from an oceanic place but you know she's also from mars so but that's, yeah, that's so, so there you go. That's just what I'm talking about. Like you have all these sci-fi that like have to they have to think this out now at this point. It's it's something that needs to be done or else it's going to be nitpicked. And yet with Star Wars, we accept it like it's nothing. Yeah. like I I wrap that up into the same thing that comes with actually doing the research of the science. And a lot of people are saying that when writers don't do their research for the science they're doing like i guess society a disservice at that point i agree it's half-assed it's half-assed you don't just say like oh and they get to that point b because of this technology (laughs) no they uh they really try so one of the things i love the most about the expanse is how hard they try 
Yeah, I agree. And, and and that not to say that there's that's something to take away from the Star Wars universe is that you know it's just reminders. First of all, this isn't like sci-fi, sci-fi. This is fantasy, sci-fi. This is its own kind of oh right universe right. Yeah. And at this point, I don't expect them to really try that hard. <laughs> I think the I- biggest surprise. So. We're, we're, I think we're kind of beating around the bush because there's not much to talk about in the second arc because it's just kind of a lot of filler and it's a lot of setting up where Ahsoka has been and, and what she's been, how she's been kind of surviving. But uh, the big surprise in this arc, I think, was the return of Bo-Katan. Yes. Which was, which had me jumping up and down. The moment I saw the Mandalorian helmets, I knew where they were going with it. And I was like, oh, here we go. Finally. I, I I already drew it out in my head where this was going and it made all the sense and I was I still loved every second of it. Right. Uh I thought it was fucking sweet. Um I honestly had no idea where the series was gonna go for that last third those last four episodes. But holy shit. <laughs> uh it's the perfect segue now. We're just gonna go into yeah. this now. Let's do it. Yeah. No. Oh. Fuck, yeah. So, Ahsoka is essentially recruited by uh, Bo-Katan to... It's not the Death Watch. That's dead. Right, that's, she that's killed gone. it. Right. This she is... killed it with Previsla's death. There is right. no more Death Watch now. Mm-hmm. But but this was the new... I don't know, it's like a, another wave of liberation for Mandalore. And... Oh, fuck, it was so cool. And I love that they had to go to the Republic for help. And the whole time in the series, what, going back as far as, what, season three or season four, when they were, uh, the Republic wanted to get involved. Wasn't that what it was? Yeah. The Republic and, wanted Mandalore for a very long yeah, time. They wanted them to join the Republic and get involved and join the war. And, you know, the... Duchess wasn't going to have it, you know, wasn't going to do it. And it just come full circle at this point to the point where now, well, at least part of Mandalore is going to the Republic to enter in. And the Republic is kind of like, should we? Yeah. So once again, I have no idea like how Rebels sets this up. I know Rebel Rebels kinds of like kind of like returns to the Vizlas and. Uh, I'm not sure if Bo-Katan is in it, but I know that there is another Vizsla that shows up in Rebels. Uh, I do believe Bo-Katan is in Rebels. Oh my god, I gotta watch this fucking show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right away, like, this this entire final arc took me off guard with the opening. How do you mean? The, the opening of, of Old Friends Not Forgotten, the, the oh, first oh, episode. You mean the, oh, like the, the intro of like, yeah, oh. It, the, it's suddenly you have this come across where it's like a Lucasfilm something production or whatever. And then it, instead it's of like the, somber. the usual Clone Wars fanfare, you get the and you're like, what the fuck is happening? And there was almost like a somber piece to it i thought wasn't there absolutely it was it was something the first so they only did the star wars fanfare for the first episode and everything so right before that and then every opening after that they had a very kind of somber dark sound to it of like okay we're not messing around anymore here we go and it sets this tone of of nausea it it, 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 i was i was worried immediately the moment it started i was like something's wrong and i didn't realize that they would be leading up to the events and paralleling with the events of episode three but i knew something Mm -hmm. bad was about to happen i i think they wanted it to literally be its own movie at that point absolutely that's why they that's why they broke it up like that it's like this is a movie watch this like a movie so and and god damn was it a movie yeah. First of all, the animation alone, like the animation this season, this season as a whole was fantastic, but the animation in the last four episodes stepped up all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, there's actually fun fact, I guess, be a good time to do it. They did motion capture for this stuff. Some of it. No fucking shit. So that 
that battle between Darth Maul and uh, Ahsoka, that was motion captured. Guess who played Darth Maul? Oh, Ray Park? Yeah, buddy. Oh, shit. Dave, Dave Filoni like, had the idea. He's like, I, you know, probably the last time Ray Park is going to be able to come in and play Darth Maul. You know, at least let him do this. Well, he and, played him in Solo, didn't he? Yeah, but I mean. Yeah, I get you. I get you. Gonna, I get you. They're not going to do anything with that. So they brought him in and like did all the uh, choreography and stuff. And obviously they uh, I was watching a video on it. Caroline had showed me. Um, they did fix a little things in the mix. Like there's a very certain st style that the Clone Wars have with like lightsaber fights and everything. Sure. You know, it's like fluid for a second, but then it's like very quick. I guess motions when they actually hit. And so you know, they changed it up in the post-production a little bit, but yeah, that was a choreographed fight that was motion captured. If you watch it again, you'll, you'll see it. I'm, I, and I will watch it again. I, I will watch it again a million times. <laughs> it's just, oh, I don't even know where to start with this. So old friends not forgotten. It opens up like on this bridge and, and Anakin's being Anakin, which by the way, I would pay an obscene amount of money just to recreate episode three. Not that I'm, we're, we're, we, it's 2020, we're well past bashing Hayden Christensen, you know. But with that being said, I would pay a lot of money if they were to just remake episode three with Matt Lanter voicing Anakin Skywalker. Which is, you know, yeah, which is funny is he, he, he's young enough, like he could easily just play. Oh. <laughs> I didn't even mean uh, that, but yeah, let's do it. He he uh, he he has a good Anakin look as well, honestly. He he does. I've I've actually been watching uh, another show uh, that he's done recently. I think it was Timeless. Is the name of it? Oh yeah, I'm looking at it. Was like an NBC sci-fi show oh. or something like that. Oh shit! You're watching. I watched the first season of that. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, it's not it's not bad. Yeah, it's um, fun. I, obviously, me being a, a massive history buff. I think it's great, but yeah, he, he's, um, he's the soldier guy. One of the main characters. Yeah. 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 That's crazy. I didn't realize, I didn't realize they were the same mm -hmm. people and yeah. he is just so good. Like when, once again, it's 2020, we aren't bashing Hayden Christensen anymore. No, but I don't, I don't hate Hayden Christensen for what he did. I honestly, I will say that he was not the right person for the role. Not his right. fault. He did, he did the best he could with what he had. I mean, let's be real here. George Lucas is a terrible writer. Yeah. He's great with the big picture, but he's terrible with the dialogue. And honestly, if you just gave Hayden Christensen better dialogue, probably would have been better. I agree. And you know, it's, it's interesting because Matt Lanter's Anakin and Hayden Christensen's Anakin, the biggest flaw of the Clone Wars, in my opinion, has always been that Matt Lanter plays a very different Anakin. Yes. Right. So yeah. I think it'd be fascinating to go through the through episode three, like just animate it, have James Arnold Taylor play Obi-Wan again. And <laughs> I, I'm curious as to what it would look like. You know what I'm saying? I think it would be a very different movie. I really do. I think you're I think you're right. Um, <laughs> they'll never do it. And <laughs> well, yeah, no. I, I wish they would, though. Yeah, that'd be something really cool to see. But this this final arc gave us something even better, something I don't think any of us really ex expected, which was the other side of it. You know, we always I know that I know myself, at least I always wondered what happened to Ahsoka. That was always the kind of the hardest selling point for me of like accepting that Anakin had a Padawan is like, OK, well, what happened to her? Like, you can't just sell to me that she that he had a padawan and that she just disappears or something like it's got to be good it's got to be compelling and when she was expelled well, she didn't she wasn't expelled she left willingly the jedi order um i accepted that i said okay this is a great ending for her it's it works for her character it plenty of what has been set up makes sense for this and this is an ending for her, and I'm happy with this. I, I didn't need any more. Until this. 
because it's just such a wonderful parallel to Anakin's journey these final four episodes. Ahsoka battling the dark side and coming out virtually victorious. Not not even fully victorious, but overcoming it in a way that is neither Jedi nor Sith, number one. And number two is still very different than the way her master did. Yeah, I would agree. I think if she was a Jedi, it, she wouldn't have come out the other end on top, you know. Which way do you think she would have gone? Would she have would she have been defeated or would she have would she have uh fallen to Maul? Like like accepted his offer. So I think her mistrust of the Jedi Council, um and of the Jedi in general, uh I think that is what led her to be, I guess, more receptive or to what was happening. Mm-hmm. There at the end, um, the Jedi were blinded. They were blindsided, you know? Anakin and Obi-Wan and Mace Windu and Yoda, these are the most powerful Jedi, and they didn't see it coming. Uh, and they weren't able to, I guess, deal with it. But I think she would have been, yeah, one of the ones that got taken out, I would assume. Well, yeah, absolutely. Like, Order 66... Is a whole other thing. I'm talking specifically though about Maul and his offer. So first off, oh, oh, oh my bad. <laughs> Maul Maul sees it coming, which was really fascinating for me to to watch him kind of work through it and figure it out as as he's he's speaking, he's talking. Which, by the way, Darth Maul voiced by Sam Witwer in this, which is like he's voiced by Sam Witwer in uh in Solo too. I found out. Played by Ray Park, but voiced by Sam Witwer. And just like props to Sam Witwer, because he kills it. Sam Witwer, for those who don't know, was uh, Starkiller in The Force Unleashed. Mm-hmm. Um, but watching them all work through it and watching him kind of understand Sidious's plan was surprising. I, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's like. It shows it, 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 you know, we we have our friend Kyle and our friend Kyle likes to make the argument that um, and, and there's a lot of evidence to support it that I've always he's a big Star Wars nerd and he always likes to make the argument that the force was against the Jedi at this point. The Jedi had overstepped and that the force was shifting balance back to the dark side um, for Sidious and Plagueis Uh and then, of course, later on, Sidious and whoever his apprentice was, uh, because the Jedi had overstepped, because the Jedi had had crossed a line into hubris that the Force did not accept any longer. Uh, and this kind of supports that evidence even more of like Maul is able to see it all clear as day. He sees what's going on because he is on that side of the Force, you know? Um, I mean... You've heard uh, Freddie Prince Jr.'s rant that he did on, it was like a, a Star Wars podcast or something. Remind me, because it's been a long time. Um, he literally said the whole point of like Star Wars was, you know, to bring balance to the Force. Mm-hmm. And there was so many Jedi that the Force was off balance, and that's why they were weaker. Right. Yeah. Is because the force was naturally balancing itself. So like the dark side, there's only a few people. They're stronger. They're yeah. able to do more. So yeah, 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 yeah. And that's absolutely it. And it's it's funny because like at this point, like Maul has risen to this kind of character that I think Sidious would be proud to have as a, as his apprentice. Like if Sidious understood like the potential in Maul, I think he would actually have been proud to take him instead of Anakin at the end of the day. Eh, maybe, but he wasn't as powerful as Anakin was. That's the thing. I think he was capable of being as powerful, but he with with the proper training, but he never, he, he would never cross that line. Of course. I mean, to this day, I still think killing off Darth Maul after episode one was a huge mistake. And luckily Filoni was able to salvage it. 
bring that character back and still make it meaningful and not just, oh, cool, Darth Maul's back. Yeah. Let's let's sell some merch. No, it was very tastefully done. And I love that Darth Maul was behind uh, not the fall of Mandalore, but you know the um the fall of the Visla family at the very yes. least. Yep. Yeah. No. His his uh his fight for the dark saber and, and taking over Mandalore early on was was fantastic. Mm-hmm. But I think nope. the most heartbreaking thing in this arc, of course, is talking about Order sixty six. Yes. Something I didn't expect them to do. Uh, right off the bat, I didn't expect this to go into Order sixty six territory. Well, I well I knew that they were going to have to deal with it. Um, in these four episodes, because as soon as I realized that this was parallel to Episode three, um, I yeah, knew well, they were they were going to get to it, but I didn't know how it was going to go down because I know, like, I knew that Rex survives. Yeah, because you know, I remember seeing him in Re- seeing stuff about him being in Rebels. Yeah, and we know that Ahsoka survives. But I thought they did it so fucking well. Incredible. Yeah. The you you know the best touch of this entire final arc, the clones painting her face on their helmets. Yes, when she initially comes back, they get real excited and they yeah. And they're they still basically- hunting her. With the, her face on their helmets. It's. Go ahead. Oh, no, that was. Yeah, it, it's it's so heartbreaking. It, it, it creates this kind of. Palpable dread that episode three wasn't able to do with Order 66. And. That Jedi Fallen Order came close to doing with putting you in the shoes of the Padawan, did a very good job of doing that. Um, and, and escaping from these clones who, who, who 10 minutes earlier, you were high-fiving in the halls, you know. I think Jedi mm-hmm. Fallen Order did a wonderful job with handling Order 66. But for them to be wearing her face and hunting her down, and for us to understand Ahsoka and understand her relationship to these clones and understand the clones themselves, and furthermore understand the mind implant the brain implants that are forcing them to be to compel to comply with order 66 as discovered by fives as rex warned ahsoka needs to be done it's a constant heartbreaking ride all the way to the end oh man even those cute little door <laughs> droids i almost said dwarves those cute little droids that who are get, just are, get they're just return, get mowed down. <laughs> return characters, by the way. They had, yeah, yeah, they had a whole episode yeah, of those R2's, guys. R2's fucking squad that he mm-hmm. ran with. Yeah, that was cute. But man, they just get mowed down. You're like, fuck. Those it's, guys were cool. It hurts. It hurts every second of the way. Even Jesse. Jesse is not uh, an old character. Jesse's a new clone who was introduced in this season. But we don't, it doesn't matter because we know all we need to know. He's loyal, he's a friend, and yet he is still forced to turn on Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. I originally thought that Ahsoka was going to get away with being not a Jedi any longer, that they were going right, to kind I of th- let her go. Yeah, I thought that was going to be the deal too, but this was still really powerful. And oh man, I, I don't, hopefully I'm not jumping the gun here, but that final shot when the it's like winter on that planet that the ship crashed on and uh darth vader shows up and you can see all the clone troopers are now stormtroopers you see the little imperial scout droids and everything and when darth vader like walks up and you still see the helmets painted with ahsoka's face and he finds the lightsaber holy fuck man yeah without rebels in my mind, because I know I know they clash. I know that, you know, I've had I've had bits thrown at me and over my over my experiences, just kind of being on the Internet. But with that being said, I don't know what he thinks from finding her lightsabers. And this is only what compels me to watch Rebels even more. 
I don't know if he know if he accepts this as a sign of her death or if he takes uh, this as a sign of her running. I think that he knows she's not dead because I mean I just I feel like he would feel her death in the forest if she were to die. Sure, of course. And and as we know Vader does, he is not going to want to kill her. He's going to want to take her back as an apprentice train her to overthrow Palpatine because that's his shtick. That's what he's always wanted to do. Maybe. Uh, I mean, we'll find out. We'll, we'll find out in rebels. There will be a dialogue there. Something along those lines. I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure. And, and that's just kind of always been a shtick, even in the Vader comics, you know, it, it, it becomes apparent early on. I think that Darth Vader has always regretted his choices in a certain way. Um, he understands that everything he did, nothing he did brought Padme back, which, first of all, is the only reason he he did what he did. Right. Yeah. So with that being said, it's safe to assume that without him saying as much, because I know he never has, but it's safe to assume that Vader is a character less filled with anger and, and hatred and more filled with regret. Yes. And the one thing is I want to point out about Vader is he was never an evil character. Certainly. He was just uh utilitarian to a fault. He did sh- like the galaxy was in chaos. It needed order. He's going to do whatever he had to do to make it just a safe, prosperous galaxy, you know? Like that's that's literally what it was. It's one of those things where like to get rid of the monsters, you got to become the monster kind of thing. That's absolutely it. And he, he was never, he was only ever willing to work with Palpatine to a point. And there came a point fairly early on in his career as, as Palpatine's apprentice that he didn't see the point anymore and that he began training other apprentices and would every once in a while he would, he would do his best and then Palpatine would find out and Palpatine would kill the apprentice and he'd be like, don't do that again. And, Vader be like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I mean, I feel like all of Palpatine's apprentices do that, though, because even Dooku did that. Well, it's, it's it's the nature of the Sith to be traitorous. It's... I'm pretty sure Palpatine started grooming Darth Maul before Plagueis was even dead. You know, that's just how it goes. Absolutely. And Bane started plotting Xana's death well before she was even <laughs> or Xana started plotting Bane's death right as he was starting to plan hers so yeah you know oh, it's man. it's how That's the Sith have always been ever since the rule of two and it creates kind of a you know everyone the Sith are stronger due to the rule of two yeah sure sure why not totally but it also makes it harder to be self-sustaining because you're literally fighting for your life every day. And I guess that's what makes them stronger, right? Now that I'm talking mm-hmm. through that, is that they they are they never go complacent. They never sit at the top of a tower and debate on democracy and politics. They are Yeah, because yeah, who wants to do that? <laughs> They're always moving in the shadows. They're always moving their their pieces on the board and they they need to, or else they're going to die. Anyway, we we walked far away from from the final episode. <laughs> we we did. Um, we certainly did. Uh, we jumped around a lot. Still more to be said, but what else do you want to say? Well, I don't. Um, nothing really major. I, I did want to say that I did appreciate um, the whole like tunnel scene on uh, Mandalore when they basically set the trap for the clones in Ahsoka. Yeah. Oh, I thought that was great. I mean, I felt like nervous for them the whole time. So. Yeah, I, it's it's classic. Maul meets classic Mandalorians and uh, it really like, you know, it really paints like a terrifying picture when two of these like unstoppable forces meet 
and join mm-hmm. and kind of work together. It's 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 it's, it's entire the entire situation was terrifying. Ahsoka was in over her head the entire time along the way. And that was the hardest thing to kind of believe for me was that like they'd be like, yeah, Ahsoka, go alone. Take Rex. You'll be fine. Like, come on now. Like, I get like why they did that. But like, that was the hardest point of like to suspend my disbelief. Yeah, especially with that she's no longer a Jedi that they would like entrust her with that responsibility even. I believe Anakin would entrust her with it. I don't believe yeah. that he would feel safe with her doing it, and I don't believe right. Obi-Wan would ever trust her with it. No. Um But I mean there was a lot of things where I was just like, oh, okay. If we're gonna nitpick, you know plot points let's talk about ahsoka sitting there dangling from r2's little cord <laughs> and it's just like i've seen her like leap up skyscrapers and shit <laughs> so she's gonna sit here and dangle all helpless <laughs> so like there's little moments here and there where it's like oh, okay let's come on let's move forward please i don't need this but um oh, don't let that don't, don't let that uh take anything away from this show though because this was phenomenal I feel like I've been a part of this journey of the Clone Wars since 2008. I definitely would go like long periods, maybe even a few years without watching the show, but definitely after season five, it's kind of like waiting with bated breath of, okay, then we got season six. And I felt like that was the end, kind of. Uh, not a very good ending, but I, oh, when Disney greenlit and gave them, when did we find out, was it D23? Yeah, I no, a little bit later than that. When they announced this season seven, yes, they announced this in like December out of nowhere. Oh, okay, yeah. So it was late 2019 they announced this. When when I found out they were doing this season seven, I got super fucking excited, and it did not disappoint in any way. Uh, it, it looked beautiful. The story was good, and I, there's like closure now. At least now I can look forward to Rebels. I don't feel like I was cheated on anything. So, Is that your good sci-fi? Oh, we don't do good sci-fi. This is my good Star Wars. This was oh, yeah, that's right. Great that's Star right. Wars. You're right. You're right. Uh, I agree. Um, most importantly and wholeheartedly with you saying there's finally closure. Now, more than ever, I feel like I have a complete understanding of the Clone Wars. You know what I'm saying? And episode three did its best to kind of bring it to a close, but never did it. And with this, with this final arc of the Clone Wars series, I do feel that the Clone Wars has truly ended. And that, like, sure, there's there's stuff to go back to. There's stuff that I'd be interested in exploring in the future. I would love just an entire anthology series of Jedi dealing with Order 66, I now realize. I think that'd be wonderful. I actually love it when you get things of Jedi dealing with post Order 66. They're now yeah. a galaxy that they that's very dangerous for them. Yeah. There's little book there's little books and stories here and there where you pick up on stuff. It's really cool. But but I'm it's phenomenal Star Wars. It's some of some of the best Star Wars we've received in a very long time. And uh, I hope that as much as I love the Mandalorian, I hope Dave Filoni has another animated series in his back pocket that he's ready to present to us. I'm sure he will. I've now come to realize that Star Wars, (laughs) I hate to say this, but Star Wars belongs on the small screen now. That's where it lives. That's where it thrives. You're right. Um, You're right. And there's so so much excited with what's to come. There's so much more to explore. I, 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 we could sit here and talk all night, you and you and I, about like what we want. And you're right. Just all best thing to say is that we're excited about what's to come and that this was great. And they seem to be putting the right people in place to deliver this stuff to us. Yeah, absolutely. Thankfully. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, I think that is all we got time for tonight. Ben, what can people do on Sundays? On Sundays, if you're interested in fantasy, you could check out us uh, playing our Dungeons and Dragons game live on twitch.tv slash once upon a tavern underscores between the words. That's once underscore upon underscore a underscore tavern uh, every Sunday, 5 p.m. Central Standard Time. 
Uh, if you catch in, if you tune in next Sunday, you might see them fighting a big boss. So that'd be fun. Ooh, maybe. We'll maybe. see. Might not be fun for me. Um, <laughs> uh, and and say somebody wants to, you know, listen to more sci-fi cross sections than they get once per week. Where can they go to do that? Okay, so uh, check us out at bit.ly slash sci-fi Patreon. We have a couple different options for you to check us out. We are really, really, really making moves to keep this um, content up, uh, updated and, and fresh. Bill's got a lot of cool futurism stuff that he's putting out. Um, Bill and I will be doing an episode on Westworld on, on the Patreon. I know Bill's got another uh, solar system mining thing with you, Colin, right? Yep. Yeah, we'll be so, recording that soon. So, so yeah, we're, we're really putting it out here, um, and uh, we, we got a lot of really cool stuff coming that we're putting behind a paywall, so you can pay for pay to listen to it. You know, to give us money. What does that money do? It helps us be a better podcast. It helps us get better equipment, um, and it doesn't go straight to our pockets, contrary to popular belief. It helps us really uh, become a better podcast, and 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 a little bit to advertising as well. Uh, so please, please, please support us at bit.ly slash sci-fi Patreon. Thank you. All right, folks, there you have it. Until next time. <laughs>